Hello, and welcome to Seriously Pointless Conversations About Culture, the podcast where myself and a few of my friends get together and discuss nerdy things. Just a reminder, if you like what you're listening to, please subscribe to Seriously Pointless Conversations' YouTube channel, or you can find us on your favorite podcasting apps. Thank you for your support. Without you, none of this would be possible. Thanks for coming by. Now let's get into the episode. Hi, and welcome to Seriously Pointless Conversations About Culture, your Seriously Pointless podcast about all your nerdy and geek things across time and your marvelous menagerie of magical masks, James. It only took two times <laughs> and several preambles to try to get it that right. So, uh, obviously, by that awful, just I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it awful. I would call it. Um, it's a solid three out of ten. Solid three out of ten. By I, I'm going to say by your your snarky clap, James. Your your snarky golf clap. That was genuine and heartfelt. I'm just letting people know that you're here. Honestly. You're trotting all over my feelings now. That's good. That's my job, though. <laughs> I'm here to stomp your feelings and to make you feel bad about yourself. You know, we just established this in the last video, David. Nagging is not cool. That's right. I shouldn't Roma, be... Roman, don't treat people like that. That's right. I shouldn't trade, tread on you, especially if I want you to eventually get I'm it be, in, be into me and, and, and go out on a date with me and maybe possibly go get into a romantic relationship with me, right? Of course. Okay, this is the end goal. Okay, don't tell our wives. No. Um, <laughs> today, guys, uh, James and I are going to be talking about the uh, the uh, sequel to our previous review, uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. We're going to be talking about Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Um, so, James, uh, before we get into the nitty gritty, do you just want to do a quick uh, overview about sure. what this was. So, Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, widely regarded as one of the best games of all time. By a, lot, by a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, I will agree that. It's an action-adventure game published in 2000 by Nintendo. It's a direct sequel to the Ocarina of Time that was released in 1998. Actually built on the same engine. It's the second Zelda game to use 3D graphics, yep. and in particular, it featured a few really groundbreaking concepts at the time were very novel. One, there is a mask system where Link can wear different masks, which didn't just give him abilities. A lot of them transformed him into a completely character altogether, which gave you different dialogue and story options and different core abilities. True. And, uh, for example, you can get turned into a Deku Shrub, and the Deku Shrub could pop out of flowers and shoot bubbles and stuff. Um, It also featured a 3D time loop, where time looping games were kind of the, you know, soup du jour of this year's <laughs> stuff this last January. Yeah, but yeah. at the time, this was a new thing. They had a three-day time loop, and characters had these completely scripted things they went through throughout the day. Even yep. the minor bit characters, like the mailman had his route. The people in the end did their thing, and this all kind of played together into different things you had to do to unlock all the different masks and well, options in the game. It, so- it sounds that sounds like a pretty good uh, synopsis. And, and honestly, uh, it's pretty fascinating to just kind of hear the kind of things that they 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 set up in it. But let me ask you this, James: What was your uh, what was your meet cute on this? Where did you first run into this? Uh, I ran into this one. This was another one they actually advertised in movie theaters. Yeah. Uh, this was before the internet was the main form of advertising for everything. Get, and getting uh, close though, yeah. They actually advertised this to kids at, at the movies. That's yeah. where I ran into it. Did you see this in front of the first Pokemon movie, I'm guessing? I think so, yeah. <laughs> I, then maybe... Uh, 
let's see, this was after the Power Rangers movie, of course. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it might have been the first Pokemon movie. That, that's a. It was one of those big movies that all the kids went to. So Pokemon. This is probably. right about the right same time as right when time. we were in. I'm gonna say er, grade school. We were like maybe like sixth or. Did you get your limited edition Dragonite for going to the movie? I wasn't allowed to go see the movie, James. I I had said something very rude to my mother. It was one of my first curse words, and I had my movie privilege taken away from me. So it was well she deserved. Did not, she did not hold back with the consequences. <laughs> well, I tell you this: but she never ever hit me, but God knows she knew what to take away to make it burn. So <laughs> she knew how to make it hurt. Yeah, it's one hundred percent. So I'm lucky my father wasn't there. I'm pretty sure I would have gotten. Yeah, had a slap across the face for that for one. That one. Oh yeah, absolutely. But so, did you did you end up getting it when it was released? I'm assuming. Oh yeah, I got this one. Okay, so because I knew so that was the thing was you you had the 64. I don't know if Chris Sire had a 64. He or not. had one too because his mom played Harvest Moon religiously. Oh, she did. I didn't even know that. Wow. She she played Harvest Moon 64. Like she must have gone through it ten or twenty times. Like she oh my would, God. she would try to get the best score at the end of year three. Like she was obsessed. Oh wow! And then later Animal Crossing afterwards. Like she was seriously obsessed with these games. Wow, I didn't even. So know that's that. why Chris Sire always had a system. Which oh, otherwise you would think would be out of character for his dad to buy him a game console. Oh yeah, year, but that was because his mom. Played yeah, hundred percent. That's why. Like, that's why he had them. If 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 anybody had known, you know, Mr. Sire, Matt Sire, like you would have known, like. He would have not have ever probably bought him a game, so he probably had would have had Chris out there uh, working on cars with him or doing something else. Yeah. <laughs> so, but no, his mom played the consoles. That's why. That's, that's why he that makes sense. Though. So he totally made sense for your dad, for you, you having one because your dad was he was kind of a big nerdy kind of you know tech guy like you know the rest of us. He played like, the NES when he was a kid. Yeah. And yeah. Whenever he bought me a Super NES for Christmas, he actually took it out of the box, put it together, and played it for five or six hours before bed. <laughs> And then he forgot to delete the save file, and he said Santa did it. So, <laughs> and your mom, I could see your mom just looking at him like, "Good God, Dan!" I could see it already. That's funny. <laughs> but yeah, see, I never had any of these systems when I was growing up because my parents just didn't see the value in it. I guess, or they just didn't. They just didn't. Or maybe we just didn't have the expendable income. I don't know what it was, but I think the we. But we always had a, a, a PC in our in our house. Like so, we had. And that's where I played the majority of my games. That yeah, mostly. you did mostly PC. And and you know, and my dad, you could you knew there was no way I was going to have a like technology type thing in my house. We were lucky to have dial up internet at the time, probably. Well, so. and you also only had like the one TV on the main level. I don't know yeah. he would have let you have a TV downstairs. To play that was games. definitely his TV for. That was his TV for his. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was definitely him, and we got it. Uh, one hour on Saturday in the morning to watch whatever he wanted, and, or when he was away at work for like because he was going away like you a couple watch weeks. Star Trek on Laserdisc. I mean, that was after the fact, dude. We weren't <laughs> allowed to touch those Laserdiscs unless he was home. So, yeah. so fun fact that was my uh, uh, that was my my first pair of uh, uh, cinema boobies that I got to saw. I got to watch Braveheart, and I was like, <laughs> boobies! Yay! I know. <laughs> so not Titanic. That's interesting. My dad would never have bought Titanic on Laserdisc. That's true. That's For true. shame. It's not a man's movie. Braveheart, my friend. There's, there's That's true. Braveheart is a man's movie. That's right. It's a man's movie. That's right. Billy <laughs> Wallace. You see you guys get cut in half. Um, but no, getting back to actually more serious and, and, and actually more fun things. But uh, I, I, so I never got the chance to really play this unless, or even see it unless I came over to your house. Because I, so, mm-hmm. I remember coming over to your house and watching you guys play yeah. these two games. 
And I, I did enjoy it, them. It's decidedly more difficult than Ocarina of Time. Yes. Definitely a lot darker. Oh, 100%. In, yeah. in plot and themes in general. And Ocarina of Time already has some dark moments compared to more modern oh, Nintendo yeah. games. But this one is definitely a, a couple shades darker in tone. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot more side questing and mini games going on. Like, because there's a three day time loop, there's a lot of little things you can do to unlock different masks. Yeah. And then. A lot of masks will unlock other things that can hop into the storyline. And you can, only, you can only access things because of with the certain masks at certain times of day and whenever you go through, right? Yeah, for example, yeah. the real final boss of the game is getting the, the couple's mask. Yes. For getting Kirafi to wed Ananshu or something like that. I'm talking about there, there's, there's a young, like, you know, star-crossed couple in the game. And getting these two to actually hook up and get married is probably the hardest challenge of the game. You have to get almost all the other masks first. Okay. And then you have to... It takes multiple playthroughs of the three-day cycle to unlock all the different masks you huh. need. And then you have to have one cycle where you spend the entire cycle doing things in sequence. Like, you have to, like, go and see him by the lake, and you have to wear a certain mask to get him to talk to you. And then you have to get his litter and deliver it to the right person. And then you have to, like, you know, follow along, and eventually it culminates in, like a chase scene through the Garoto Valley. And then oh, they Lord. will finally like they get married as the clock strikes midnight on the end of the third day, you get the mask and then you have to go back in time. Cause you were completely out of time. It's, it's actually a very like epic sequence. Did you, uh, did you get you that? Need a guide for that? Yeah, I did get it. I, I did a hundred percent this one. Okay. Like, you have it as a child. You hundred percent of it. Yeah, I did. Oh wow. Okay. It, it was a lot of fun. This one was great. Oh, well, I mean, cause I mean, you gotta think about it though. Like for as kids, we don't normally like, we will dump hours into a game, but we won't normally like complete it. Complete it. It's usually there's usually stuff like that's usually like as you get older, you're like, what do I need to do to get everything in the game yeah. now? Because I don't know if I got now, every single heart piece, but I definitely got all the masks. Okay, because you had to use the fierce deity mask. Oh god, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even see it. you're like I said. I never, I never got a chance that to was, play this one. That was so. the mask you unlock for getting every other mask. Okay, it can only be used in. In the final boss room and on the bosses, but it pretty much turns you into a, a fierce deity. Oh, okay. So it's like an insta kill kind of <laughs> pretty kind much. Of game. It's, okay. it's ridiculous. So, so I so, I really enjoyed this, but like so without I, anybody knows. So so is this this game the setting and the story for it? It's it's not the so, same as Ocarina, right? No. So it's a direct sequel to Ocarina. Okay. It takes place as Link having saved Hyrule. And getting turned back into a child Mm -hmm. is going through the Lost Woods on some undetermined quest. Yes. In the Lost Woods, he reaches the world of Termina, which is a parallel world to Hyrule. And he encounters the Skull Kid, who you did a few quests to help out in Link to the Past, which you probably remember. Mm -hmm. And the Skull Kid at this time is wearing Majora's Mask, which is this powerful evil artifact mask. It's the titular mask on the box art. Yep. And he curses him, which traps him in the form of a Deku shrub. And then, oh, no. And then as you chase the Skull Kid, you end up in Termina. Mm-hmm. And there you find out that the world is doomed to end in three days because the Skull Kid is using Majora's Mask to pull the moon down to crash mm-hmm. into Hyrule. And as the three days go on, you can see the moon, which starts as a little bit circle in the sky, is this giant looming face that gets closer and closer yep. and closer. At the end of the third day, if you don't do something, the moon crashes into the planet and, everybody and all, dies. everyone dies. So a side note before you keep going, if you guys don't know what he's talking about and you don't have you don't have any plans to play the game, there's actually a really interesting YouTube video yeah. uh, about Majora's Mask and the Skull Kid about how he gets the mask. Yeah. 
you've seen i think i don't know if i sent this to you now it's really well done but it's creepy as all get out i love it that sounds cool i don't know if i watched that one. i think I'm, I'm pretty sure i sent it to you but it's basically him the mask you know the mask guy because he steals it from the mask salesman. yes and, and that's kind of what happens like he he they falls off the mask guys uh like pack and he when he picks it up that's when he's like he just he sits there and looks at it the whole night though, and eventually yeah. he finally puts it on. Yeah, he's kind of possessed by the mask as part of the story. It's really cool. Yeah. It's, it's like you said though, it's super like <laughs> freaking weird. Though. It's freaking weird. So anyway, at the end of the first three day cycle, you fail <laughs> to stop the Skull Kid, but you're able to regain your ocarina. Yep. And you play the song of time, and you go backwards in time three days. And you got to press those amazing directional D pad buttons, don't you? That's right. And so you go back in time three days and you do it again. And again. And again and again and again. <laughs> and every, the world features these four big regions. Yeah. I guess five if you count the central area, which has the town in it. Yeah. So it's kind of, titu- it's the same. Yeah. It's it, These are basically essentially the four regions are essentially the same as the four, like the main four dungeons that they have throughout yeah. any Zelda game. And so you go through and you have to kind of... Um, Get, eventually get into these temples, which, what do you unlock in the, each of the temples? So, each kind of big region features, like, a main mask, at least the first three do. Yes. Uh, you get the Deku mask from the Deku shrub in the swamp area. That's right. That's the one you start with. Uh, there's the mountain range where you get the Goron mask. There's the Great Bay where you get the Zora mask. And then Econ of the Desert Canyon, you actually get the Giant's mask, but you don't use that one as often, so... Uh, each one, the swamp area features like Deku. There's this forest temple. Mm-hmm. It's a poison swamp. Like the witch's hut is there, and okay. like there's each area has like a different environmental hazard. There's a bit of story you have to go through to get access to the dungeon, and then after you fix the dungeon, there's a lot more stuff you can do there. Oh, cool! And it's all kind of tied into the three day time limit, of course. And so yeah. A lot of times, like, okay, so you might spend the first time figuring out what to do there, and then you need to come back again and do it faster so you can get to the dungeon. Mm-hmm. And then you might need to come back a third time, speedrun the dungeon, so that you can do the post-area stuff once it's been cured. Yeah. And so there's there the time, the constant time crunch is part of what makes the game yeah. fun. And like you said in earlier is... You, you might have to come back at a later time with a specific mass to do a specific thing at a specific time, right? At a specific it, time. With each of the with, different... With yeah. certain conditions already fulfilled. Like, for yeah. example, if the swamp is poisoned, then the Dekus are holed up in their castle and won't do anything with you. Yeah. So you have to cure the swamp first, but then you might need to be on the right day, and you're going <laughs> to need the right other stuff unlocked. And so it's a, it's a very... There's a lot of conditional unlocking, and the game actually has like a built-in quote-unquote bombers club notebook mm-hmm. it gives you a notebook which once you've seen different events it will track what everyone does throughout the yeah. the different storylines for all the different things you want to unlock and it makes it much much more doable for a kid as i say as a ki- as a kid i would be very frustrated with something like that because you go through and you're just trying to figure out what the heck to do with a lot of the stuff and not knowing Maybe you accidentally see something and you just have no idea why it's doing that for whatever reason. And but with that book that's in game, you can go back and look at it. Yeah, it shows you all the notable. It tracks the notable events that you've seen Mm -hmm. when people do things, and it can help you find some clues about how to finish everything. That's really cool, though. I I really enjoy that. But so let me ask you this though: Did you have a favorite area in the game? Um, the favorite for me is probably the Great Bay area. Okay. Uh, because you get the Zora mask there, and you can swim, and it, it's a very, <laughs> there's a very dynamic kind of swimming system. 
Okay. And so like you like, cruising through the water doing stuff. I think it was a lot of fun. That sounds really cool though. I, I enjoyed it. That, it's so. a ton of fun. Cool. Well, I will part of me now kind of wants to go back and look at it because I always enjoyed Ocarina. So just hearing kind of the setting, I would, I might, I don't know. It's, I know it's on, it's um, on the switches, like upgrade pass. Like if you pay for the switch online <laughs> and then you pay the extra boost, Majora's Mask is on the switch now. Mm, so what you're saying is I can find it online for an emulator though. Quite possibly, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know? You've been trying. Back in the day when I <laughs> indulged in such things, the N64 emulators were pretty cursed still. Apparently they're they pretty cursed now. Computers have a lot more horsepower now than they used to, and it's a very old system they're trying to emulate. I bet they're a lot better shape than they used to be. Well, I mean, even now, they're they're starting to get to the point where they're getting uh, like PS4 uh, emulators now. So last-gen oh, stuff. So. Nice. But it's really interesting. So, yeah. obviously, they, they put a lot of time and effort into making this game because they want to, even though they had the old hardware or the old, uh, uh, basically, um, uh, framework from Ocarina of Time to build up onto this new one. So, what did they really do differently or what did they what did they go off of? Because, you know, the framework so is it's, the same. it's based on the same engine, right? Yeah, so obviously, yeah. Ocarina of Time took five years to develop. A lot of that time was coming up with the custom engine, yeah, which was well, a thing that was done very regularly back in the day, like Half Life Two, for the same reason. Well, yeah, the engine was made custom. Well, especially because Whereas it was, these days most people license the game. Engine. Yeah, well, because especially being off of uh, specific hardware and it being a Nintendo property, they were gonna like, well, we're gonna keep using this yeah. engine multiple times, right? Yeah, this was an upgraded engine slightly. This game oh, was yeah. originally slated for the sixty four double D. Which never really quite materialized. Yeah. It was supposed to be an upgraded Nintendo sixty four. Was that the one? With that like was a... where the expansion pack came from. Was it a CD? Did it have a CD drive or something? No, the it came with the same cartridge, but it featured an expansion pack, which gave the game an extra four megabytes of memory. Oh, to work okay, with. okay. And so they could do things a little bit more, just a bit more in general than the sixty four could. Okay. Um, the only two games that used it were Donkey Kong 64 and Majora's Mask, which actually shows in the scope of the games. I can see that, yeah. Um, this was developed by a small team. It had Shigeru Miyamoto, Yoshikaku Kozumi, and Eiji Aoyama. They were trying to come up with a game, like, what can we make that is better than the game that sold 7 million copies? <laughs> Not much. On the same hardware, when yeah. Ocarina of Time already pushed the hardware to its limit. Yes. And that was a trouble, because... Like Ocarina of Time, for example, features this. There's a lot of like cardboard cutout skybox systems, which, if you're familiar with game development at all, mm-hmm. one way that developers can cheat is that you can render a nice, like, you know, essentially 2D portrait of a background, yep. and then you just display it as a backdrop, and then you paint your 3D stuff around it. Yes. And it saves a lot on having to render these giant open spaces. Yeah. And Ocarina of Time used that extensively with world fogging. Yeah. Things fogged out at a very close distance. They still and they do that today. And they still use it today. Yeah, they just do a better rendering. Majora's <laughs> Mask does not do that as much. Yeah. A whole lot less. And the other way they tried to come up with, they came up with that three-day system we talked about to try to mm-hmm. make the world bigger in scope, make it feel more dynamic, more pressure, have a tighter gameplay loop like they they tied the whole game around the three-day system. And so that, I think, is what made it different in the biggest way. It had a cool gimmick. So nice, though. I like that. There was an interesting thing for me in development, which I wasn't aware of until I started doing research for this uh, episode. Okay. Uh, There was actually two games that came out at the same time. 
Majora's Mask was actually first titled Ura Zelda. Okay. Ura means hidden or behind in Japanese. And it came out in the Famitsu magazine. And it was talked about as a Ocarina of Time kind of game that altered the level's designs and made it like a new story. Okay. So it was like the hidden Zelda. Now, this sounds huh. a lot like Zelda Master Quest to us now, right? Yes, very much. <laughs> yeah, wow. Uh, which didn't come out as we know until later. Um, but then in June, so sorry, Ura Zelda was, was announced in May 1999. Okay. So this was, what, five months after length of, after uh, Ocarina, Ocarina of yeah. Time came out for winter 98. Okay. So then in July, they announced Zelda Gaiden which roughly translates to Zelda Side, <laughs> Side Story. Story yeah. And that was a playable demo at the Nintendo Space World Exhibition in August 1999. Uh, and so everyone said, well, Zelda, Zelda must have just been changed to Zelda Gaiden. It's a, it's an yeah. in-progress work. People change the name at all the time. All the time. We talking about, yeah. And then the, but at this show in August, you see a lot of things that were in Majora's Mask. So the large clock, the timer, the stories and gameplay details. It was clear that a lot of the stuff was, was in there. Okay. And so it wasn't until later that month that Miyamoto confirmed that Ura, Ga- Ura Zelda and Zelda Gaiden were actually two different projects. Oh, and so okay. it was just not communicated very well by the Nintendo team what was going on. That's and so Ura right. Zelda did eventually go on to be the Ocarina of Time Master Quest, which in Japan it was released on the 64, but for all of us who aren't in Japan, it came out in the GameCube as a bonus disc. So okay. if you pre-ordered the Wind Waker, it came with Ocarina yeah. of Time Master Quest bundled with it. Yeah, I do remember that, actually. I remember Candace playing it up, up quite a bit because she had the GameCube whenever we went to high school. So she did I don't play. think I ever played Master Quest, but what it is the street that it was very good. You need to get yourself a GameCube. So I got myself a GameCube, I guess. So. Or you can just wait for the emulator, GameCube <laughs> emulator, James. So anyway, ultimately, the game came out in winter twenty. 20- winter 2000 pretty normal nintendo stuff and it did very well it did not do as well as ocarina of time but ocarina of time was also like one of the release box things for the n64 so was it bundled with it or did it i i don't think it came bundled i think the super mario 64 was bundled that's what i thought i couldn't remember i think ocarina of time came out a little while later but it was close to the beginning yeah that's you're right actually yeah now i'm thinking about it yeah that's Um, right so it sold throughout 300,000 copies in Japan in its first week, selling 600,000 by the end of 2000. In uh, the United States, it was the fourth best-selling game of 2000 with 1.2 million copies sold. It's not shabby at all. Not uh, shabby at all. In Europe, it was the eighth highest grossing game. So ultimately, they sold about 3.3 million copies worldwide. Good God. So about half as many as Ocarina of Time ultimately did. Now, Jeez, it, uh, it definitely scored very well in critical acclaim. Like, Metacritic gave it a 95, which is indicative of universal acclaim at the time. Oh, yeah. The Tampa Bay Times, which called Ocarina of Time the Gone with the Wind of video gaming. So, I'm going to... Said uh, that Mentor's Mask was better. Can I pause just a minute? The Tampa Bay Times? Yes. This is back when, like, newspapers, like, legitimate newspapers were like, we're going to review video games. Yes. I just have no, I had no idea. I guess you think about it, that's what they used this to was do. Back when there was Nintendo Magazine, and that was about it. Uh, gives me so many chills to think about that. So. <laughs> this was back when Nintendo Magazine featured a speedrunning section where they printed the scores of top runners. I do remember that actually. That people, that people did not have to submit videos of. They wrote letters with their best times, and they just took them. Not, face not shady at all. 
which uh, Carl Jobs has a interesting video on one of those. I have to check that out. That's kind of funny, though. Yeah, but that's really cool, though. So anyway, people generally yeah. said it was amazing. People differed a little bit on whether they thought this one or Ocarina of Time was better. I think it's largely a matter of preference. It really was. I think Ocarina of Time has more universal appeal. Mm-hmm. I think as a game, Majora's Mask is probably slightly better for me. It has more engaging mechanics, and it's. I think that's. I, if, if you're not that. the right type of person, though, it's not going to appeal to you. Yeah, uh, I think the three day loop is not not for everybody, and it's yeah. definitely harder than I think most kids could do easily up to that ten year old age group. I will definitely. I would definitely say I'd be willing to try it now. I can definitely see why it would turn me would turn me away when as as a younger when i was younger mm-hmm. um and i definitely can see why i enjoyed zelda uh the ocarina a little bit more of time mm-hmm. just because it was pretty much a standard like zelda game right standard zelda it, game it is very very similar to link to the past yes. in terms of its pacing and uh, the number of dungeons and everything else. yeah i think that's why i liked it a little bit more and i think just the simple fact that i had probably just got done playing it over here as this house i'm like just not being able to get over there and play it as much but I, I and I think this like is more. Said, it's hard to play this game incrementally because yes. you have to keep the loop in mind. Yeah, this is a game that you have to kind of play in one, not one sitting, but like one month or one or two months. Yeah, you can't leave. You can't leave for a month and come back and play another dungeon because you'll forget everything you were doing. And being a child that had like severe ADD at the time, I can definitely see why that probably did not sit well yeah. with me as much. The only reason so. it worked for me is because I could sit down and obsess on it for a few weeks. Yeah, but that's cool though. I enjoy it so. Um, obviously you got rave reviews. It looks like for mm-hmm. most of this stuff. So let me, let me ask you this though. Uh, in your mind, w- I know you've already said you enjoyed it quite a bit. How many Deku masks out of, uh, out of, uh, 10 would you give it? Um, you give this one a 10 out of 10. Can you give it a 10 out of 10? Wow. Considering when it was made. Flawless, that, huh? It was flawless for its time. Okay. So even now, like as it being... Uh, later on, you're still gonna. It is still a very playable game now. Okay. It is still a lot of fun. Is this one that you revisit fairly often? Um, I would revisit it if I had an easy way to play it. Okay. That that's the main thing holding me back is that I would have to buy that Nintendo like boost subscription thing. Because it's like twenty bucks a year, isn't it? Yeah, I'm sure I will eventually get it and just play all the games at once. Like I just replayed Link to the Past this year. Mm-hmm. But N64 games are easier to access than... Sorry, Super NES games are easier to yes. access than 64 So games. that's the one thing I is holding me back from actually getting on the emulator. I'll, this is kind of a side trope there. The the, the the Nintendo emulator is that, from what I've gathered, is the, the ports they they put on there are just not as good. Some of them can be janky. And it's definitely... like got people i've i've read that people have got like corrupted save files and things like that or the game has just like straight up like crashed on them before well some of them had significant performance issues some of them had significant rendering issues yes for whatever the quirks were the n64 seemed to have been a much more particular system when they wrote the a lot of these game files and i remember even back in the day when i was trying to make n64 emulators work Mm -hmm. um a lot of them like were game by game compatible. Like yes. the Super NES emulators pretty much worked for everything. Yes. And the N sixty four ones, like different games took different settings and different wrappers and different everything. And so yeah. 
I don't know what was going in on the back end for the console, but there was, I think, some serious hardware optimization yeah. programmers were doing that is making it very challenging to kind of universalize the code. And I definitely is something I was going to look into a little bit because I always kind of wanted to get back in there and play some of those old N64 games because, you know, you can get, there are tons of uh, other, like, uh, uh, a lot of them are really amazing. Yeah, they are just amazing because I mean, especially things like you know, Conquer's Bad Fur Day, which I want I just really want to get into and replay all over again because it's just so much adult body humor. Well, but, and a lot of the generation of game makers that were making these games, this is some of their final projects for the N sixty four era. Like to me, once you enter into like the GameCube, PS three, PS four, because well, something is different. Like I don't know if it's different people making it or the audience is changing, but it doesn't feel the same. It is definitely changing because even even though like Miyamoto, like just here's a prime example. Even though he still kind of like dips his hand in every once in a while for games. This is kind of the part that this is like right after this period, after the sixty four. He period, starts stepping back from being lead developer quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. And he's more of like a creative, a creative um, like vice president or whatever he yeah. is. I can't remember like VP or something. He's not head of the company, but he basically is like, he basically has like yes or no powers to say, hey, I like this game, I don't like this game, or maybe we should try this with this game. He never is like you said a lead developer on these games, and he's not writing scripts and things like well, that yeah. like he used to. You have the guys here who were you know writing Nintendo games in their basement somewhere. Yeah, And now they've been in the industry for 20, 30 years, and a lot of them are either aging out or, like you said, are getting promoted up the ladder. Oh, yeah. And they're not – it's like a, a new guard is coming in after this. Yeah. And I think the increasing hardware power also changes the way they wrote these games too. Oh, 100%. Because at this point, like the N64, it was very much, you know, the game developers against the hardware. They had mm -hmm. big ideas. And a lot of these creative mechanics that we think of later, like these three-day cycles and yes. stuff – they were originally conceived as ways to get around the hardware's limitations. Yeah, that's that's and so yeah. it's a very kind of limited environment. And uh, later, once hardware starts getting beefier and beefier, then that stops being as much of a design constraint, and things just yeah. like the entire approach to making games changes. It's kind of like saying it becomes less hardware first and more. It's just, almost like constraint breeds creativity a little yeah, bit. It does, and the fact that things grow and they have you have it's basically like saying like you said to somebody like i want you to build me something but you're only going to have these three tools to build it yeah. with but like you said in, in like five years time you're going to give somebody else the opportunity to do the same exact thing but you're going to have give them as many tools as they possibly want to play with yeah well I mean, like for it's, example like, there's a reason that like final fantasy 10 never came out of the n64 and it wasn't just licensing like yes the n64 could never have right no, something that big no it's not like it's not what's being displayed on the screen it's just the sheer amount of content yes like it, there's a reason it came out on four cd discs back in the day not, not 10, that's Final Fantasy 7. came out on the four, four CDs. Yes, it was a lot. For the old PlayStation, yeah. And so like, back in the day, like PlayStation and Nintendo were night and day difference, and it was hardware that was driving that. Yeah, 100%. And it's it's that whole thing of is CDs versus cartridges, right? And it's yeah. like what you could put on it, and it was just an, it was a, at the time, it was a, it was a, 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 a budding uh, game, a game, uh, game, uh, game hardware essentially. CDs and DVDs were just not a very big. Well, DVDs weren't even a thing at that point, but CDs were just kind of coming into their own at the time that the, the Final Fantasy and that stuff was coming out. But, but it's yeah, it's really interesting that you say that because when you start looking at some of the uh, you know follow follow ups from 
you know, Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time, there's not another Zelda game on the 64 after this one, is there? No, this one was Wind Waker for the GameCube. For the GameCube. And that was, like you said, those small little CDs that they had. or whatever they, I can't remember if they're CDs or DVDs. They did the little micro CDs. Micro yeah. CDs, yeah. And at that point, you can... I think they were DVDs, actually. I think they were micro DVDs. But there, there were micros. Yeah, yeah micro DVDs or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, the micro CD only has like 200 megs of space. That, that wasn't it was enough. probably a DVD. It was a micro DVD. Because you can hold about a gig of... But uh, they were still... Different. They were kind of <laughs> compromised. It was still a proprietary storage media. Yes. But it was a more dense format, so... That is just... That is just... Which Nintendo <laughs> has continued still, right? <laughs> I mean, now they use micro SD cards, but they still sell, you know, cartridges. Yes, you could you can literally... You could literally make those on your own if you could get the, the SD card on there and just uh, transfer the, the, the data over. But you said, like you said, it's, it's on a proprietary, uh, like, disk system that they make that mm-hmm. can only slide into their thing, and you, and you can't make them... Well, you could make them if you have like a 3D printer, printer or something like that, but I'm sure there's something about them that you have to go in and, and yeah. finagle with to try to make it work, right? Mm-hmm. And that's just a really interesting kind of concept that Nintendo's always... That's just... A, I think it's that's a very... The, that's the OG DRM right there. That is a... Yeah. That <laughs> is a huge Nintendo thing. Yeah, well, so. it's like it wasn't... And that's what it was. Like, it wasn't that it was difficult to rip the files off the CDs. It wasn't that it was that difficult to decode them either. No. The problem was... Everything was so hardware optimized, it wouldn't play on anything else. Yep. And then again, you didn't have the physical media to make your own. Yep. Now, later you see that being a thing where people will design cartridges mm-hmm. for the purpose of putting games on them. So you probably saw that for Game Boy Advance and stuff yeah. back in the day. You could buy a cartridge with a micro SD card that would hold like 300 Game Boy Advance games. I actually have one for my... I have a Game Boy DS, and it's literally... That's what I I can do there. It's literally SD card. You just load what you want in there, and you can Mm -hmm. play whatever you want on there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a phenomenal little system, but at the same time, it's just like... But that came later. (laughs) Much later. Yeah, that just wasn't present in the N64 era. Yeah. So, But that's always kind of something I always kind of thought was really interesting. But but yeah, so... um, I guess, kind of, besides us, you know, rambling on about random, you know, pirating techniques, uh, which I think that'd be kind of an interesting topic to go into at some point. Yeah, so, interesting. But yeah, so I hope everyone enjoyed our uh, Zelda series we've got going on. I think we're going to do one more to round out next month. I think we're going to do a try a trifecta, a trifecta, a trifecta of Zelda. Zelda, and then after that, I think we will try and do something a little bit different, maybe. A um, I don't know. We might we might do something completely different. I mean, I might do another trifecta of type games. We'll have to pick a, a kind of yeah. a, a series or a genre of things we should choose from and go from that. But yeah, we'll um, see how the winter holiday releases take us. It's true. And uh, did you see? Oh, I didn't even ask you. Did you get a chance to see any of the game? Uh, the game awards. Uh, I haven't watched them yet. Oh, actually, I did want to mention though that Dwarf Fortress is out on Steam now. Really? That's what you're gonna plug? That's what Dwarf plug. Fortress. Dwarf Fortress, the OG, the granddaddy of all colony ma- colony <laughs> management simulators. If if you like stuff like Rift World, then Dwarf Fortress is much. much so better. to be fair, my uh, you I know, think you would become. Very you never knew uh, Dwarf Fortress is complicated. Like, you never play. You never. You don't know uh, Chris Dunning at all, do you? Mm, not very well. It's probably. my wife's. It's my wife's cousin, but his his youngest brother, Philip. Mm-hmm. Um, Dunning, so he's, but he's 
uh, and going to see Marino for computer science. But um, I've noticed the last couple of times I've been on, uh, getting on to play with you guys, either with the league or like uh, grounded. I've noticed he's been playing Dwarf Fortress, James. It's it's an obsessive game. I will. The, the fluid mechanics are punishing. There's lava. <laughs> There's incredibly deep, like almost geologically accurate world generation. Oh wow! Like the game generates like history and historical figures and gods and deities and all this sorts of stuff that is borderline useless. Yeah, that's. This is like the ultimate like project for two brothers living in their living in their house together. Like they've been they've been yeah. surviving off of PayPal donations for like the last twenty years making this game. Hey, you know what? Like they people people donate to them and they reward them with hand drawn crown dwarf they, they they draw like dwarf drawings and crowns and my god. Them. I like might we might have to do up this there, might be there is a the story and the history behind behind this game is pretty incredible. It's it's like the ultimate emergent storytelling game. My people do this like succession fort thing yeah where you play one year on the fort and then you write up like a little article about how it went and then you mail you get the save file to somebody else and then huh. somebody else plays it and like you can go on their forums and there's hundreds and hundreds of these stories oh my god like, look up boat murdered boat murdered boat murdered that was the name of the fort i will have to look this up this, <laughs> this might be it's fun it's cool <clears throat> we'll losing def- is fun i i once read a, a 15 forum page discussion about the mechanics and ethics of harvesting mermaids for their bones so that you can sell them to elves. I don't see a problem with this. I don't see a problem with this. I mean, so, are mermaids real people, James? I mean, they're really fish, aren't they? But they're also people. Hmm. Yeah. That's a good question. Anyway, it, it's a cool game. So, Well, that's kind of cool. I enjoy, I enjoy that. I'm gonna, we might have to do that an episode on that sometime because you seem really into that. So That's fun. And I might, actually sta- might have to see if I can play it. Is it free or is it how much does it cost? I don't know. The Steam release, I think, is fairly cheap. I think it's like a 20 bucker or something. No, it's not bad at all. It's not bad. Well, maybe. The the free version is still on his webpage, but it's ASCII art. Uh, it's going to get the the new interface soon, which is the main reason I'm plugging it. Because they had tile sets before where you could have tile set graphics instead of ASCII yeah. art. But the new interface is more mouse-driven instead of endlessly nest keyboard commands. So okay. it is much, much more approachable than it That's was before. That's not bad at all, then, yeah. So, Well, if you guys haven't heard of that, uh, go check it out. Uh, also, like I said, check out Majora's Mask. If you've not played this, um, like I haven't, which it's on my to-do list, much like everything, it's a <laughs> very long list of games that I want to play that I'm never going to get to, I feel like. But, um, but yeah. Uh, I'm glad that we got to talk about it today. And obviously, it's something that was near and dear to your heart and very much part of your childhood, James. So mm-hmm. I'm just glad. I'm glad you got to tell us about it. So, uh, guys, thanks for listening and uh, check in next month to see what new Zelda game we're going to be listening. We're going to be talking about, and we will see you in a parallel universe. See you guys. <laughs> see ya. If you're interested in keeping up to date with new episodes on our channel, add us on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Or subscribe to our YouTube channel at Seriously Pointless Conversations. If you have questions or concerns, please email us at seriouslypointlessconvo at gmail.com. We appreciate any feedback. Thank you for listening to our show.